Hey everyone, we have received exceptional support for the Diaries Plus. It means so much to us. It's been a tough year for us. We're down on sponsors, but you keep lifting us up and making this show possible. And because of that, we get to keep making more cool shows for you. So today we're releasing a new series on Diaries Plus called Good, Good, Bad. Trips, adventures, and fiascos that define our lives. On New Year's Eve 2023, Mason Gravelly slid a stand-up paddleboard into the tannin-stained waters of Lake Okeechobee and embarked on an adventure he's been dreaming of for years, an unsupported crossing of one of our country's biggest lakes. Between the weather, toxic algae, and alligators, he was told it was preposterous. But Mason's journey was a culmination of years of Florida adventures and a passion for conservation. Here's a little taste of the first good, good, bad episode, Alligator Lake. Wherever you are is an adventurous place to people that aren't from there. And so it's like, I'll be honest, right now at this point in my life, I would never leave within an hour or two of my home if I could. And I'd probably, that's probably going to change at some point. But right now, that's like my reality. And I did not see that coming. Like, I I would have laughed at you if you you said that's the way you're going to think in five years. And so... It, it, all of us have to go through it. Like, oh, adventure is elsewhere or life and fulfillment and what we're looking for is elsewhere. And I think part of maturing and just part of just living this life is one, going through that. And two, <laughs> realizing everything you need is right here. You know, how many times have people told us that, but it, it takes learning it yourself, you know? Subscribe to Plus Now for the full story and access to all new episodes. As always, Thank you for your support. Now, on to the show. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Vitz. I've got a question for you. Okay. So, in your illustrious career of writing (laughs) and talking about the outdoors, I'm curious if there's any, like, really big adventures that stand out to you. Um, I think illustrious is probably another word for old, but... I was trying to be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I work for National Geographic and I'd help put together the Adventures of the Year program that they had. And in 2011, there were 10 great parties or, or individuals that were nominated for this, but they were like one of my favorite. And they were two Sherpa men from Nepal, Sanu Babu Sunuwar and Lakpa Cherry Sherpa. And so these two, these two friends, they basically like schemed this plan to climb Everest, paraglide off the top, bike to the Ganges River, and then paddle the Ganges all the way to the ocean. And it is this like crazy trip. It was super creative. Each was good at half of the sports and the other one was like complete newbie and they which and they just like they went and did these badass things, right? And I I think like what so many people zeroed in on is like flying a paraglider off of Everest. Like it's wild, right? But when I did the interview they both really remembered. I was like, well, what was the difficult part? And they're kind of like the, the ever climbing Everest, not bad. Flying a paraglider off of the highest point on the earth, not bad. Kayaking class five when you've never really done that before, not bad. But they remembered this moment where I think it was like the last day of their trip. And in the morning, they opened their tent door and they're freaking out because they are surrounded by these red crabs. And neither Lakpa or Arsano have ever seen crabs. 
And like, imagine that. Like, you've never seen a... Like, they're not friendly-looking creatures, right? <laughs> and and they're like, what the hell do we do? And they, you know, they think it's like, are these... are This is like a different kind of scorpion? Like, are, they, are we gonna... Like, they have no idea. And I don't know. That's always just a testament to perspective and how we may not always totally understand a person's context or perspective, but we can always recognize when someone challenges themselves. Lauren, today you've got a story for us. Yeah, and so today's story is about a couple, Drew and Sarah Holsey, who are also really drawn towards challenges. And last year, they took off on an insane road trip all across the United States to see some of the places that they've always dreamed of seeing. And in doing so, they've really paved a path for other people who, like them, really haven't always seen themselves represented in those outdoor spaces. I'm Fitzcall. I'm Lauren Delaney Miller. And you're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Drew loves fish. The band fish. The band fish. And so anytime he's in the driver's seat, that's usually what's on. Or if she's like, if I know she's asleep, like I'll turn on fish or Grateful Dead or something. Cause I know like weirdly those jams like keep me going while Sarah's like passed out snoring. I now know that, that I was, have sleep apnea. That, I learned that from this trip. <laughs> I remember one night we weirdly got on Yacht Rock. We were like, wow, this is kind of awesome. You know, and we're like, we get why the dick. dads like this. Like, yeah. I've been chasing that high for a while. This is Drew and Sarah Holsey. They live in Nashville, Tennessee, where Drew is a social worker and Sarah is a therapist. They've got a house, air conditioning, two dogs. They're what they tend to call domesticated. For most of their lives, Drew and Sarah didn't think much about the outdoors. And if they did, they certainly didn't think it was for them. But then we went and saw the movie Free Solo in IMAX. I have no idea what it's even about. And how he got me there was by telling me it would be a pretty Nagio movie. Free Solo, for those that have been living under a rock for the past few years, is the Oscar winning documentary about Alex Honnold's legendary ropeless ascent of the 3000 foot El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. Honnold, while a compelling character, isn't exactly relatable. He's undertaking one of the biggest accomplishments in climbing history. He lives in a van and he's totally ripped. And as the credits are rolling and my palms are still sweating from watching this, he goes, I think I could do that. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? No, we're not doing this. The movie is inspirational, sure. But I don't know if most people were leaving the movie theater eager to follow in his footsteps. But for Drew, something clicked. But I left that movie like really stoked on climbing, but I didn't know if I could climb myself because I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger guy. And so like I went home and I Googled, can fat people climb? Um, didn't really see a lot of answers. So went to the gym and asked them if like ropes could hold my weight and they're like yeah i can hold like thousands of pounds you're good like you, you you'll be good to climb i was like okay cool recently married 
Drew and Sarah had been looking for a way to get outdoors together. And I've always wanted to be a little adventurous. I just didn't have anybody to do it with. He got us a group on so that we could have like three visits to the gym and a ballet class. And before that group on was even done, we had a membership. In that first gym session, Drew and Sarah got the bug and they dove headfirst into climbing. Hours at the gym turned into weekends at the crag. With careers that revolve around helping others, Drew and Sarah relished in the opportunity that climbing gave them to focus on themselves. And the more they became immersed in the climbing community, the more they learned about the nomadic lifestyle that many climbers gravitate toward. They wondered if they could find a way to experience that too. Within like a year and a half time, I had my own camper van that I was like, could take yeah. take on the road, you know, like it happened quick. But also we realized on the weekends, we could like kind of dirt bag it a little bit and get to live that life. But also at the end of the day, get to go home and sleep in like a real bed. Sarah and Drew explored the crags around the Southeast, like Kings Bluff near Nashville and the Red River Gorge in Kentucky. They honed their skills and enjoyed their time as weekend warriors. And soon, the pull to see the walls that had originally inspired them grew louder. But for Drew, his old fears about whether or not this sport was for him started to creep back in. I didn't feel like I could do it myself. Go have these grand adventures and go climb these big mountains and walls and stuff. Just because the people that were doing it were little or like not, you know, not... 290 you know <laughs> you know like they're not in this body so i didn't see anybody in a body like mine doing those things drew and sarah wanted to break the mold not just of what society was saying about people with bodies like theirs but also of the lifestyle their community had instilled in them growing up i never thought of leaving the south as a kid you know i never thought of doing anything semi-adventurous you know it was not I never thought that I could even leave this out. It was a possibility. I don't know. It was just how we are down here. It's like you get, you'll stick with what is comfortable. But like I was tired of comfortable. I needed to go sleep in a van somewhere and like figure <laughs> out life. The Holseys didn't want to quit their jobs and move. They loved their life in Nashville, but they felt a call for more. Drew and Sarah plotted out a road trip across the West to the place that had sparked their love for climbing, Yosemite. Time off from their jobs was limited, but they were committed to squeezing in every ounce of adventure they could, seeing as many national parks and visiting as many friends as they could along the way. Delayed at first by the pandemic, they spent a year figuring out the logistics turning their Toyota Sienna minivan into the perfect adventure rig and crafting the route that would take them everywhere they wanted to go. Then, in May of last year, the day finally arrived. We had originally planned to like leave Thursday morning, and then as we got to think about timing, like we can't give up on these hours that we can get on Wednesday night. Like We left at 8 at night, and we were like, Let's just see how far we can go, I guess. And I think once we got, we left Tennessee, it was like, oh, we're like, <laughs> we're here. We're like on the path. It was like one of those things like, oh, we're actually doing it. A few hundred miles later, Drew and Sarah crossed into Arkansas. They felt free and tired. It was two o'clock in the morning. So they pulled into a roadside rest stop, 
ready to hunker down. We were going to sleep there, but um, I went and I went to I went into the bathroom, and it was a weird vibe in the bathroom, <laughs> in the rest stop bathroom. Um, and I like walked in. I was using the restroom. I noticed a guy in the stall, and he was pacing back and forth. I don't. I'm not liking this. He just had socks on. So too. yeah, he just had socks on too in the bathroom, and I like went to like zip my pants and I turned around and I saw his eyeball looking through the <laughs> crack of the stall. And so I like saw it looking at me and I was like, Oh God, like immediate fear. Like what am I doing in, in Arkansas right now? <laughs> Why am I here? Um, so I went out and Sarah was still in the women's restroom and I was just waiting. I was like, okay, we got to like, we got to skedaddle once she like leaves this bathroom. I come out of the restroom and he's giving me the like wrap it up finger and like the thumb like, to get out of here. Let's go. Let's and go. Just keeps motioning. I'm like, what is going on? And he tells me what he's seen. And it gives us enough adrenaline to get to Oklahoma that night. <laughs> <laughs> After a few hours of rest, they were back on the road. By dinner time, they made it to a friend's home in Albuquerque, New Mexico, having driven 1,200 miles in under 24 hours. We became like professional drivers, like truckers or something. Like, I don't know how we, we, I don't know how we did it. Needing to stick to their tight schedule, when morning came on their third day, they were back on Interstate 40 heading west again. The reds and oranges of the desert were like nothing they'd ever seen before. A few hours later, they arrived at the first national park of their trip, Petrified Forest. Gazing out at the park's ancient trees turned to stone, they were able to connect with history in a way they never had before. But, of course, the clock was ticking, and they really wanted to get to their next destination by sunset. Yeah, I thought Grand Canyon was in the desert, but we drove through lush forest all the way there. We were just, like, gradually climbing up this hill, and we kept looking at each other, like, where's the where's the desert? Like, where's <laughs> where's the brown? Everything's green still. This is really bizarre. Really beautiful forest around there. Um, yeah. And then we hit it. And like as we get into the park, it changes a little bit. There's less trees. And everyone is just like funneling to this lookout point. Sitting at the rim of the Grand Canyon, as the sky got darker and darker, the weight of the trip started to sink in. We just sat there and looked and was like, this is so open and big and like yeah. the canyon is so deep and to just sit there and look at it really like you know you have those things in life that it's like man I am a really small being on this planet of you know whatever's happening in life and that was definitely one of those of yeah like I am like this teeny tiny thing in this whole world yeah I'm pretty sure I cried you tend to do that in national yeah, parks. Yeah, national parks are <laughs> Snuggled up in the back of the van on a bed that Sarah had built from PVC pipes, Drew and Sarah were the furthest they'd ever been from home. And after the break, they head further west. And support comes from Kuat Racks. They just released the Ibex 
an overlanding truck bed rack that handles substantial loads both on and off the grid, because being off the grid is dope. Constructed from lightweight yet durable aluminum, the black powder coat is made for all the nature you can throw at it. Available in six different frame sizes to accommodate most truck models, the Ibex is engineered for adventure with versatile full and half-height configurations. For more details, visit kuat.com. Kuat, because you will absolutely love this bedrock and all the dope places you go. The next morning, Drew and Sarah woke up ready for the big push to California. That alone would be plenty for most people, but not for them. I saw how close we were to Zion National Park. And I looked it up. I'm like, we are not going to be able to do anything but drive through this park. Um, Drew, are you up to that? Are you down with that? And he said, let's do it. They entered Zion's eastern entrance, weaving through the park under its towering walls until exiting the park on the western side. And from there, how could they not make a pit stop on the Las Vegas Strip? Who knows when they would be this close again? They barely had time to take in the glittering lights as they drove through. So after we got through Vegas, we stopped at a gas station and get some gas and um, play some slot machines where I won like 95 bucks. Then it was on to the promised land. They slept at the first rest stop they could find in California, giddy with excitement to make it to their ultimate destination the next day. They would finally hit the apex of their trip. But as always... They had one more stop to make on the way. I hugged a big tree at Sequoia. That's all I really remember. From Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park, Drew and Sarah were headed to Yosemite. This was the moment they'd been dreaming of. They entered the park from the south, where the road winds down toward Yosemite Valley. Anticipation is definitely building, you know, like huge anticipation because it's like you're still 40 minutes from Yosemite when you're in Yosemite. And you're like, okay, it's getting bigger. You see it, like hills are starting to build and uh, the glimpse of the valley you get right before you enter the tunnel. Cause it was like, bam, half domes in my face. I'm like, holy crap. And then it goes away. (laughs) Then it goes away and you're like, oh. (laughs) You're like, total view ain't no joke, man. It's like the anticipation's real. It's It's a long tunnel. There are three ways to enter Yosemite Valley. But the south entrance through the Wawona Tunnel is by far the most picturesque. After meandering through the foothills for miles and miles, drivers get one quick glance at the valley before diving into a long tunnel. Emerging from it, popping out the other side, it's like entering a portal into a whole new world. Right when you pull through, you, you, know, you see the thing. And like, I think I started crying like immediately. <laughs> He just got quiet. I got quiet. I was like contemplating my life Um, (laughs) because that's the place that got me in the direction I needed to go. In less than five days, the Holseys had driven over 2,000 miles through eight states and three other national parks. Their goal for Yosemite was to hike, see the sights, and bask in the enormity of the walls. They didn't have any plants to climb. Because you think Yosemite, you think mega, blah, you know, sleep on walls, that kind, of, that kind of life. Yeah, nothing seems attainable in Yosemite. But then, Drew got a message from a climber named Garrett, who'd been following along with Drew and Sarah's trip on social media. 
Garrett, our friend, was like, hey, dude, you want to go on a multi-pitch? And I was like, I've never done a multi-pitch before. Um, I'll go look at it and see if I can do it. And, like, before you knew it, I was, like, tied in, <laughs> you know, I'm doing my first multi-pitch in Yosemite. Um, I'm going to do it. And it's yeah. like, I met this guy three hours ago, and now he has, like, my life in his hands. <laughs> but I felt the most safe I've felt, like, ever. Garrett and Drew took off on a three-pitch route to the top of a feature called Swan Slab. Sarah hiked up the descent to meet them on the summit ledge. There, they took in the immensity of it all. Of Yosemite Valley, of the life they'd been creating together, and of the climbing community that had, for the most part, stepped up to support them. I think it was healing for me more than anything. Because it was like, I had a goal. I wanted to climb big walls. Uh, didn't think I could do it in Yosemite. But I think it was healing for myself to just be like, okay, this is a path you can take, and this is a path that you can show others that it is possible and that bigger climbers should be supported because we can do multi-pitches in Yosemite just like every other little climber out there. We've been seen as like lazy and that we couldn't accomplish anything, but once we show them that we can do it, it's like validating a mission, I guess, to show that climbing is for everybody. And there's a lot of support that we've gotten from the community of course there's like evil people out there but the people that do support us it's like oh no like we're gonna do what we can to make this happen for you and that was what like the energy that we got from garrett too he was like i'm like we're gonna do this like you're here you're not leaving the valley without doing a multi-pitch with some local beta from garrett drew and sarah spent another night in the park and in the morning they hiked up to the base of el capitan the wall that had inspired it all. I was like, I just need to go touch this rock. Then it was time to hit the road again. I mean, I was pretty bummed, I'll be honest with you. I wish we could have spent six days there and breathed it all in. But, you know, we still have more trip to go. And so we got to go home now. Because <laughs> we had to go home. Drew and Sarah got back in the minivan and headed north to South Lake Tahoe, where they'd get to visit more friends and sleep in a real bed. I drove through like a sketchy mountain pass to get there and Sarah was asleep the whole time. So we don't, I don't like to think about that time, but. Uh, it was also probably best for our relationship. Yeah, I'm glad she was asleep. Next, they made their biggest push of the entire trip. From Tahoe to Moab, Utah, swinging through Salt Lake City. The 800 mile day brought them out of the mountains and back into the desert. They watched as the hills and evergreens of California turned into the muted basin of Nevada, then back into the mountains of Utah's Wasatch Range before morphing once again into desert. And we have a friend from Nashville who goes and stays out in Moab every once in a while for several months on end. And uh, he was out there and we woke up at this uh, rest stop and I look over and there's a, a van, that's his color of his van with Tennessee plates on it. And I was like, I think Matt's here. <laughs> In Moab, Sarah and Drew climbed with their friend Matt and managed to visit both Arches and Canyonlands National Parks. Then, you guessed it, they got back in the car and continued heading east to Boulder, where the nonstop motion of the trip was finally starting to catch up to them. Our friend in Boulder that we were meeting up with, he's like, are you teleporting? How teleport? are you doing this? End of trip, dead as could be, probably. 
let's go climb 600 feet of <laughs> flat iron goodness. You know, the boulder day uh, was hard. The Thai food after the climb was so good. Some of the best food I've ever had. <laughs> but I don't know if it's because it was like good Thai food or because we were just exhausted. At this point, you'd think that they'd be ready to just wrap it up and go home. But not Drew and Sarah. What's another few hundred miles at this point? And while we were there, we were so close to Rocky Mountain National Park that we couldn't just not go. Exhausted and happy after a visit to one of their favorite national parks, they pointed the car toward Nashville and hit the road for home. And as we're driving that night, you know, it's getting to like nine, 10 o'clock, where we normally start saying, okay, where are we stopping? What's our goal? Um, and we decided that we're like, let's just take turns sleeping and just keep going. We drove 16 hours straight home. <laughs> we we got stopping. Yeah, we got home at like seven in the morning. Uh, went and got our dog later that day and just like crashed. And just like that, on day 13, they're home. The next day, they're back at work. Back to walking the dogs, sleeping in their bed, back to real life. 5,000 miles is a long way to go just to end up back at home two weeks later. But for Drew and Sarah, the trip was more than just a whirlwind vacation. It was proof that you don't need to quit your job or sell your house or move west permanently to have big adventures. And I think this trip showed us that it's possible to. That like we can do ridiculous things and we can dirtbag a little bit. And yeah, and then we come back and I'm like, practicing therapy with people and like doing my normal stuff I'm I'm getting people into rehab yeah (laughs) Yeah. so the the work that we do um like obviously like is something that a lot of people look for of like finding that purpose in their life um and we get to do it full time and so it also makes us say like we have to like have those playful moments and we have to do ridiculous things so that we can keep doing it's like we gotta figure out how to do it yeah. And we end up figuring out how to do it in the best way we can. When Drew and Sarah say that climbing is for everybody, they mean it. To them, it means that climbing is for bigger people and smaller people, for full-time dirtbags and weekend warriors. It's for people all over the country, from Tahoe to Moab to Nashville. They didn't have a model for how people like them could live the dirtbag life, but they created one that works for them. And they're not done yet. I think we might do it again again in September. Yeah, we might take a third person this time, so it's quicker. (laughs) Thank you, Drew and Sarah, for sharing your story. Our stories come from friends, from friends of friends, and from you, our community. If you have a compelling idea for a guest or a story lead, please give us a shout. You can use the submission form on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today from Tourist on Film, A.R. Jacobs, Alabasi, and Tigers in the Sky. The tracks are courtesy of Track Club or the artists themselves. 
Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Lauren Delani Miller with additional production help from Ashley Langholz and Becca Cahal. Illustration by Walker Call. Becca Call is our executive producer. I'm Fitz, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>